0: connecting life and faith this is connections the uh, head
1: of the cancer ward spoke to me at my bed and uh, her name is dr white and she said cliff you have gallbladder stage four cancer and she said there will be no surgery and then she just looked at me
2: after being through so much already in their lives how are cliff and wilma dirksen handling this new news that they've received that Cliff has cancer. We're joined today by Cliff Dirksen. He's going to share with us what it was like to receive that diagnosis, how it's affected his faith, and what the family plans to do moving forward. Life has been a roller coaster ride for the Dirksen family. In November of 1984, Wilma and Cliff Dirksen's 13-year-old daughter Candice was found murdered after she went missing on her way home from school. It wasn't until 22 years later that Mark Edward Grant was charged with her murder. In 2011, after a five-week trial, he was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years without parole. The case has gone through an appeal process, a retrial, and ended with an acquittal in October of 2017. Now, the Dirksen's faith has kept them strong throughout all of this, but now they're facing a new battle. We're joined today by Cliff Dirksen
0: i think a lot of people certainly in manitoba but all across the country are familiar with you and uh your wife wilma cliff uh you had some pretty shocking news that you've shared openly about over the last week or so here i'm just wondering maybe would you start by telling us uh what's transpired the last couple of weeks
1: well the last couple of weeks were <clears throat> they all started very innocently enough i uh I had some constipation issues, and I went into a walk-in clinic on Saturday afternoon. And uh, the doctor there, you know, did his thing and uh, poked my tummy and and so on. And when he did that, he turned to his computer and and immediately set up a whole system of getting me into urgent care at Victoria Hospital here in Winnipeg. And I had to get an x-ray and a CT scan immediately. He said, that's what's going to happen, I'm sure, he said. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. We drove over there immediately. And uh, and uh, the doctors went through the process. And uh, once the CT scan had been done, they didn't show up for a while. But when he did, his face was very, very different looking, very sad, concerned. And he said, I have bad news for you. You have cancer. We found cancer. Oh, my goodness. So that was the first time I'd ever heard of cancer regarding me, and mm. uh, but but the Holy Spirit gave it to me in school, school doses here, because then He sent me to St. Boniface Hospital, and uh, He, uh, I, I'm not sure if they they went through the whole process again with me, and uh, early Sunday morning, I, I they shipped me over there, and the early Sunday morning. The uh, head of the uh, cancer ward spoke to me at my bed. And uh, her name is Dr. White. And she said, Cliff, you have uh, gallbladder, stage four cancer. And she said, there will be no surgery. Hmm. And then she just looked at me.
2: What was going through your mind when you heard that?
1: Well uh if this is not surgery what's going to happen like how is this going to get solved yeah i mean i didn't even know what the word stage four really meant except that it had spread but i didn't really know all the details and uh so my next question was uh how is it going to get treated then and she said uh well there's radiation and there's timo and she suggested timo because it was spread broadly so then Then we just stood looking at each other further. And I said, so I asked a terrible question that I've never asked anybody before. So how long do I have? (laughs) Hmm. And uh, she said, well, with the chemo, tops would be eight to ten months.
0: I can't imagine what that's like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a horror movie.
0: And of course you were alone with COVID and everything going on. Uh your wife Wilma wasn't allowed to be there, right? So
1: Correct. Yeah, because of COVID.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when you hear eight to ten months, how do you even come to terms with that or have you even yet now removed by some time?
1: Well, at first it was like my mind just went racing. I, I had ten months in my mind, you know, I was counting immediately and that ends somewhere you know, in November, December, et cetera. And so I, I was not going to be counting my life in months instead of years. Like, and what was I going to, what was that going to be like? And how would that, what would I be doing with that? And and uh, the disruption that would be to my whole family and to my wife, you know, she'd be alone. Hmm. And, um, and just, well, oh, I mean, I couldn't even go to the funeral thing like what in the world? So it was like the dark night of the soul, and when she left I uh Wilma had packed meanwhile Wilma when she knew she was I was going to Saint Boniface, she had packed a bag for me to take the trip over there and she included my Bible. And uh so I, I pulled that out after I don't know how long, but I did I needed to talk to my God. And and he gave me like uh <clears throat> We in our church have what's called spirit room, which is prophetic words for encouragement for whoever wants words. Right. So I had scheduled to be part of that, and uh, what happened was I got the Saturday thing next to me being able to go. So I had my, you know, um, tabs in my sticky notes in my Bible. So I, I took my Bible and I just I just started at the first sticky note and open it up and it's it was jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you know mm-hmm. i have i have i can't i don't even remember the verse exactly but i have pl- good plans for you not mm-hmm. to hurt you but to heal you and to and and uh it was very specific about uh this kind of thing and and i i went okay where's this verse one the context of it and uh, I re- scanned up, uh, scanned up, and, and it's talking about the history of the Jewish people, and God had just, uh, you know, they're in, in Babylon in captivity, and God had just said to them, I, I will release you back to Jerusalem in 70 years. And that's what was Jeremiah was telling them. And I was going like, oh, and they were supposed to just, uh, you know, go about their marriages, have their gardens, work their mm-hmm. stuff, be at peace, etc., etc. It just gave me all kinds of ideas that, no, I, now I knew what to do during these 10 months. Just ah. move my normal life, take care of the things that are on my agenda. Like there's certain things that I had started. I actually had just started my autobiography. So now I'm going to rewrite my autobiography, obviously rewrite, uh, give it a different slant, And uh, and, and, I, and I have 10 months to write that. And that was what I was now going to do. No. Um, we have pl- other plans and so on. And, and so it just gave me direction. And also the year part, you know, 70 years, God had yeah. his mind planned. Like this was no, this was not a wishy-washy. He knew exactly what he was doing. And so I took that to me he knew exactly what he was doing with me.
0: I find that yep. so powerful too, because in Jeremiah, God sends them that message because they obviously want to leave Babylon and go back to their homes, right? And there are false prophets telling them, oh yeah, we're going to go back right away, right away. And Jeremiah comes along and he says, no, this is what God says. 70 years, you can't avoid this heartache and this problem. But over the course of that time, yeah, like you said, plant gardens, have marriages, raise your children, live your life still in the midst of this heartache. I find that so... Yeah, so encouraging hearing you come to that realization, too.
1: Yeah, so that settled my heart. And I didn't want to go to the why questions, you know, whose fault mm. was this? What had I done wrong? The doctor had said it was uh, luck of the draw, which I don't believe in, but I know what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so this was God's decision. It was, you know, um, God can do whatever he wants. He's the creator of the world, and uh, he can heal me, or he can take me to the tenth month, whatever. And I'm, I'm game. Yeah.
2: Going back to when you found out the length and that ten months, um, what mm-hmm. was it like when you had to tell Wilma? Because, like you said earlier, Wilma wasn't there to hear that news with you.
1: Yeah, that was the baby I. I kind of in desperation said to her, how do I go about telling my wife about this? And she said, well, everybody does it differently. So you just do your thing. <laughs> I said, thanks for the help. <laughs> and anyway, uh, that was Sunday morning. And we were scheduled now to, the kids were going to come and visit me in the hospital uh, later in the afternoon. So, and I had, you know, I couldn't tell her on the phone. So I uh, I was hoping Somehow that she would come, or that would work out, that I would be able to see her before we met with the kids. But then she was talking about she's coming with the kids and uh, all that kind of thing. So I finally had to say, you know, wifey, I have to talk to you. I I, I really have to talk to you before, before before we I meet with the kids. So she she was she was there lickety split, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and thinking I didn't know this, but she thought I had a message, something like I had days or a week to live.
0: Hmm. and
1: uh so i guess this was somewhat of a relief but
0: (laughs) Hmm. still yeah you and wilma um like you've been so public with your faith and your journey after the murder of your daughter candace in 1984 and um you've been very public about forgiveness and how you've worked through that and finding your faith uh Why? Why do you choose to be so public, not only about that, but now here with your story of cancer and a diagnosis of just months to live unless God does a miracle in your life? Why do you choose to be so public and open about these things?
1: Well, there's actually a few things that go with that. That first verse I talked to you about, 29 verse 11, Jeremiah uh, spoke about uh, good things that are going to come and Mm. that the future would be a good future. And I was thinking to myself, heaven cannot be a bad future. So sure. this is uh, my job: is to do what I can to be his person in this situation and share my story. The other thing is, Wilma is a trained reporter, and uh, she just got her reporter uh, uh, her her rights to be a reporter just before Candace disappeared. Talk about timing. And uh, so she wasn't afraid, like many people are, to talk to the media. She knew the media. She knew many people in the media, and so that became our way of doing things. And uh, you know, our lives are to be an open book, and I'm—I I'm, feel that this is the kind of journey that I need to share. I've already had incredible responses. I mean, I'm getting jokes. I'm getting songs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. of course people are praying for me they're trying to make me laugh Uh, they're offering all kinds of things and there, there are such awesome prayers out there
2: speaking of prayer moving forward how can we pray for you
1: oh I think that I can be a light in the situation that I am in the calling that I've been given that would be I need wisdom. What do I write about? How do I explain myself? How do I talk about what I'm going through with my God and with 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 my heart at peace?
0: Uh, you're a artist, a sculptor. Um, you mentioned carrying on with the plans that you had. Like, do you feel? inspiration coming through the midst of all this pain and heartache and, and the unknown ahead of you, or has that been kind of a silent piece of you right now?
1: Well, this is all new territory at this point. It's been two (laughs) weeks and I'm still getting used to what it's like to have cancer. Um, They've taken a biopsy, but I haven't gotten word from cancer ward yet about any treatment. So right now, I'm just living day-to-day, trying to wait and su- survive this thing. Uh, so I I really don't know what this is going to look like and uh, how you know, will I have strength to do art? How much will I have? I don't know. The interesting thing is my latest paintings have been about plants growing in very difficult circumstances, like oh, yeah. pushing through, pushing through, a, a withering plant pushing through pavement and being able to grow and flower. Those are the kind of plants, those are the kind of paintings I've been doing lately, which is incredible, actually, when you think about it.
0: Yeah, almost like God has been ministering to you with your artwork before this situation even appeared, hey? Yep,
1: exactly. And I see myself continuing that line and where it'll go from there, I'm not sure.
0: Uh, you and your family, uh, you and Wilma and your son Cyrus, you're involved in ministry in Winnipeg. I know uh, uh, Maplecrest Church is the name of the church. What's the response been like from um, your own faith community, your church community, and, and the wider faith community throughout Canada so far?
1: Oh, well, um, our our faith community, our church loves to pray. And they are all over this. And we have scheduled a time we're going to get together and do the, I think it's the James chapter five thing. So, um, there, we have a prayer, uh, a messenger, messenger, we have a prayer line. And so it's just full of encouragement and visions and pictures and, uh, all kinds of... One, one of the ladies was saying she thought of us and and was looking at the snow in her backyard and she saw nothing but but uh, diamonds. And on it goes. They're just wonderful.
2: You and Wilma have this beautiful relationship that many of us dream to have. mm mm-hmm. How are you feeling about the future and... What's going to happen with Wilma?
1: This has changed everything. She's uh, she's taken it upon herself to take care of me. She's a therapist, and she's put that aside for now. She had other responsibilities. She's put them all aside to to take care of my situation. And I can't I can't say enough. She complain she continues to complain that she's or claim that she's not a nurse, but um, you know. When you have a nurse that you can cuddle, there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love that. <laughs> um, what do you say to Cliff? Maybe people in a similar situation as you, they've got devastating life news and they don't know what to make of God and why good thi- or bad things happen to good people, right? And why they're going through this. Do you have... Any words for people in that kind of situation, trying to make sense of everything and and figure out if there's a God in the midst of all of this?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks about this whole thing is that we think we should be living in a perfect world. That's the problem, and we're not. You know, Garden of Eden happened. We were given free will. We made the decision to uh, decide against God, and sin entered the world. And so there's just no possibility that that evil will go away and that sickness will go away. And, um, yes, God has made provision. Jesus died and rose. There's, there is all of this for us, but it is another free choice we have to make for the Lord. And we have to also understand that the Lord is huge. Like he is not like just barely keeping this world going like he's the creator. He spoke things into being. And uh, we we can't understand him. Like the Bible says uh, in Romans, all things work together for good. All things. You know, I, I became a Christian yeah. when I was six, six years old. All things means everything in my life has come to this point. And, and there's a reason for it. And I, my job is to believe and trust. Because if I go to the why thing and the blame thing and the story thing and the what if thing, it's confusing and drives you nuts. But faith is the way to go. You can't outguess God, and He has a plan, and you, we need to rely on that. And if we can do that, we will. We will thrive. We will even find joy.
2: Now, this is all still so very fresh for you and for the family. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, besides prayer, is there anything else that we, as the community, can do for you?
1: Oh. I don't I don't think I deserve anything more than people praying for me. I I wouldn't mm-hmm. request that. And and if uh if they can do that that would be so appreciated.
0: You've decided to uh like you mentioned write and blog as much as you can about this journey. Tell us how people can follow along uh with that.
1: Oh, well it's I put it on Facebook. I, I've written it up on my website com. and uh it's uh it's there. But you can, it's connected to to my Facebook.
0: Cliff, we're so grateful for you taking the time to talk about this uh, difficult situation. But uh, we just knew that people that hear this, it's going to encourage a lot of people and give them some hope to cling to as well and, and help them make sense of difficult journeys that others are also facing too. So we so appreciate your uh, willingness to speak with us today.
2: Well,
1: thank you for giving me this time and I hope it's helpful. I pray that it's helpful.
0: Thank you, Cliff.
2: And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the other conversations that we've had here on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.